Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Bethesda family. How's everybody doing? You got you uh, glad to be in church today? I'm glad you're here, honored that you're here. Summertime's a lot of fun here at Bethesda Church because um, you guys love the vacation, like Memorial Day hits and then everybody goes. Uh, and I don't blame you, winter lasts way too long around here. So uh, summertime, what we normally try to do is go a little bit deeper with our series. And, um, uh, you know, the fall and the spring is more... Not that we can't touch deep things, but we're a little more wider because we have so many guests and we want to share the gospel in a very simple manner. Uh, but the summertime, we, we usually take um, June, July, and August to do some deeper teachings, uh, book studies. Last summer, we did the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is going to be no different. This originally was going to be uh, about a four-week series, I think, and I was going to tackle some spirits that attack us as believers, attack us as a church body. And so I'm still going to do that, but we're only going to do it for a couple of weeks. And I want to call this series, this week and next week, I want to call this Spellbound. Everybody say Spellbound. Now, instead of um, taking a bunch of spirits, all right, over several weeks, I only have two to work with. So I'm only going to spend time on one. And very, very popular character from the scripture that we are going to look at um, y'all might know her name. Her name is Jezebel. Everybody say, uh-oh. We in trouble today, right? Uh, what I want to do, and, and just to help you know where I'm going with this, is that I want to expose this spirit this week. I'm going to pull the cover off of this spirit this week. Next week, I want to put some tools in your hands to to combat this spirit. But today is going to be very powerful. Next week is going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. I want to call this first message today, I want to call this suffering in silence. Suffering in silence. Um, this will make a little more sense when I get into uh, the scriptures in, in a few moments. But the truth is, a, a lot of the biggest battles that you and I face are battles that nobody knows about. They're internal battles. They are silent battles, silent frustrations, going through something very, very difficult, but you're not able to tell anybody about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that battle that's going on internally that, that you're wrestling with, and, and sometimes those battles can be so heavy that you think, where is God? And why, why do I feel this way? Why am I depressed? Why do I feel lonely? Why am I struggling? And a lot of us, we, we're facing those kind of battles. We are suffering in silence. But sadly, a lot of church people are clueless as it relates to the dark side of the spiritual life. We are completely clueless about the dark side of the spiritual life. And what I mean by that is that church has, for a lot of people, has become way too cute, way too nice, way too pretty. Oh, we can't talk about the devil or demons or the works of those devils and demons because now, now pastor, the guests will get freaked out. Well, you're here and you're in the right place. You may get freaked out, but it's going to be all right. See, while we say it's not PC to talk about those issues, about the dark side, about devils and demons and all the stuff that freak a lot of people out, divorce rates keep climbing, homes are still falling apart, drug rate is climbing, students are still dropping out of school, disease is hitting homes and families, while we sit and we want three little points in a poem, come on somebody, the devil is a liar. We, we have to talk about the, this issue, and we're going to do that over these couple of weeks, but I want you to know that there is a real devil who hates you, who hates everything about you, wants to destroy you, 
wants to destroy your purpose, wants to take out your family. It's not a secret. It's in the scripture. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take you out. And the problem that we have is that you can't get free from something that remains in the dark. See, as long as we pretend that this dark side doesn't exist, that we can't talk about those things, then we can never get free. But we're going to drag this Jezebel spirit into the light today. We're going to expose this spirit, and I believe we're going to get free over it. But I want to start in Psalm chapter 133. It says, How good and pleasant... It is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So the scripture says that the anointing The presence of God, the oil, they used an oil to produce the anointing. There was a way that they made this this certain oil, this anointing, and it always ran down. Everybody say, it ran down. So the anointing descends. It it, it hits um, on the top and then touches everything up under. You know, know, it, it runs down. So God is saying that when his people are in unity, when there is a unity about us, that that oil runs from the head down, and it affects all of us. It touches all of us. And to the men right now, I want you to know, as a man, your husband, a father, you need to know that you are, by Scripture, the Scripture says, the priest of your house, which means that you are the covering of your home. That if good things are going to get into your home from God, it needs to start with you. Now, the other side of being a covering is, is that you are a protector, which means when the enemy attacks, how many know the enemy wants to take out the leader first? So a lot of times when your family's being hit with something, it's because the protector, the covering has been hit first. I am a covering for my home, for my family. I am to protect them. I am also, because I am a pastor, I am a covering for this house. And, and so what that means is, is that a lot of times when you are being hit with battles, you need to know it's because I've been hit with it already. What affects me affects you. I'm going to say it like this so we can, we can really get it. Um, there is a pressure on my life to do the right thing, to make good choices, not just because I love God, but there is a pressure on me to do the right thing and to live the right way because I never want anything to defile you. Okay? Does that make sense? Men, you should feel that way about your house. Before you just let anything come into your life, you need to know you are a gatekeeper. You open and close doors. Good things, bad things, it's going to come through you. And so there is a real pressure on me to make sure that, that I'm living in a way, not just because I love God, that, that is the primary motivation, but there is an extra pressure not to allow anything that might affect you. Is that, does that make sense to everyone? Now, now watch this. i, I got to try to do this without being too churchy, okay? I don't want to just preach, you know, churchies today. I want you to get this. Um, you don't get what you preach. You get what you are. I meet preachers all the time and say, well, I preach on worship, but nobody worships. Well, sir, after you get done preaching on worship, you go over to one of them throne chairs and you sit down like Jabba the Hutt, and though you preached for 45 minutes on worship, you go and sit down and now you're mad at them for not worship. You don't get what you preach, you get what you are. You, you need to know you're not, they're not worshiping because you're not a worshiper. If you'd get down there and act crazy and lift your hands and shout unto God, I promise you the people will follow your lead. You don't get what you preach, you get what you are. This is what frustrates us sometimes about our kids because we're telling them one thing, but I wonder what they're getting. See, it's not do as I do anymore. It's do as I say. 
We want to say something and them do it, but we're not going to model it. We're not going to live it out for them. So when we get to Jezebel, there's been movies made about Jezebel, books written. I mean, even church people call one another, you Jezebel. (laughs) Jezebel was a real person in Scripture, but what you have to understand is there is a spirit behind the person. Come on, everybody, ever hit your neighbor and tell them there's a spirit behind the person. So nobody is a Jezebel, but there is a spirit behind the behavior. There is a spirit motivating the behavior. So look at this in Matthew 12, 33. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for, for a tree is known by its fruit. So if I want to know what spirit is in operation, I just have to look at the symptoms. I just have to look at the fruit. The fruit will tell me what's in operation. If I am sick, I go to the doctor. I say, I have this going on. What does he do? He checks my symptoms. He wants to see what is the fruit of the problem. He wants to look into that. Galatians 5 gives us a list that is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, all those things. These are symptoms, fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I used to be real impressed by a gift. You speak in tongues. Oh, I'm impressed. You prophesy. Oh, I'm impressed. You operate in healing. Oh, I'm impressed. I don't get impressed with that anymore. I go straight to the fruit. Do they love? Do they have joy? Do they have peace? Don't prophesy to me and then go be mean to people. I'm not impressed with you. Because the fruit of the Spirit is not a gift. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, I'm looking for fruit. You can have a gift, but I want to see fruit. So we should be able to examine, okay, what is going on with a person or situation to know what spirit to rebuke. And here's what I want you to really understand in this moment. The Holy Spirit is not the only spirit that has fruit. There are, there are fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. We, we listed those in Galatians 5. But evil spirits that are at work also produce symptoms or fruit. That when I look at a situation, when I see a person operating a certain way, I should be able to look at the fruit, look at the symptoms to diagnose what is going on so I'll know what to rebuke. Now, I want to say this, and don't act holy on me. You, 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 I, I've, been, I've, been, I've hung out with some of y'all. I've been around the town. I know you ain't all that in a bag of chips, all right? So, so check this out. When you see fruit breaking out in your life that is not the fruit of the Spirit, you need to know that it's from another spirit. Like, if you find yourself and you don't have any patience, and you don't have any peace, and you've lost all control. Come on, somebody. You need to know there is another spirit at work. There is something else going on. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, watch this, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. See, we, we want to think that the problem is the person. A lot of times it's not the person that's the problem. It's who is manipulating the person. What spirit is behind those actions? Spirits play people like puppets and they produce in us jealousy and envy and backbiting, selfish ambition, all these things. And, and, but we cannot talk about Jezebel without talking about the great prophet who confronted her. The prophet who confronted her, his name is Elijah. I've always been fascinated by Elijah's story because he shows up in 1 Kings 17 out of nowhere. And he shows up, and this guy has incredible power. He's not a lightweight. He's not a punk. I mean, this guy has power with God. He raises dead people. He parts waters. He, he, at one point, he told the king, he said, hey, it's not going to rain again until I say so. He didn't say it's not going to rain until God says. He said, it will not rain again until I say so. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. How many know that's a bad dude? That, that's, not some, that's not somebody you mess with. Like this guy, he's not pretending. 
This guy has real power with God, and God raises him up to combat corrupt leadership. The corrupt leadership was King Ahab, who was a weak man in a powerful position. He's married to Jezebel, his queen, who is a strong woman but doesn't have the authority. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because the Jezebel spirit is known because Ahab is weak as the king. He has the position. Jezebel is strong. And what Jezebel would do is she would manipulate Ahab's authority to get her agenda pushed out. So I'm going to say it like this. One of the first symptoms that you are dealing with a Jezebel spirit is anytime you see someone using illegitimate authority to carry something out, even though they have not been given the authority. Anytime you see somebody trying to get something carried out, but they're not in position, they don't have the authority to do so, but they are underhandedly trying to get something accomplished, that is Jezebel at its highest form. That's what this spirit does. And so Elijah shows up, And he's confronting King Ahab and Jezebel. And not only is he confronting them, he's confronting the entire system. Because the system that they were bringing in was something called Baal worship. They were worshiping a false god and turning the the people of Israel away from the one true God. And I I love this story because it it all transpires on Mount Carmel. And on Mount Carmel... Elijah says, we're going to see who the real God is. We're going to prepare an altar. We're going to get a sacrifice ready. We're going to get some wood ready. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And so they got this little contest going on. The 850 prophets of Baal show up to take on one prophet of God. And Elijah says, "Um, y'all go first. Everything's prepared, and the Bible says, this is so funny. Go read 1 Kings 18 when you get a chance. The Bible says that they cried from morning till noon, the 850 prophets, to get their God to answer by fire. They cut themselves. The Bible says they danced. They were doing everything to get their God to show up. Nothing happened. And Elijah, get this, this prophet of God, this bad dude, he taunts them. He said, is your God asleep? He does. Yeah, is your God asleep? He asked, "Is he on vacation?" He does. He said, "Has your God gone away, like on a trip?" You gotta love the confidence, cause nothing happens. And okay, they're done. He's like, "All right, it's my turn." He said, "But I'm not gonna leave it like it is. Go get me some water." He said, "I want you to pour it." I think he made him pour it on there three times. Like, it, this, this sacrifice, this oh, it is covered in water now. And then he lifts up his hands and he prays. And God answers by fire, burns up the altar, the sacrifice, and dries up all the water in the process. And then Elijah went on to kill the 850 prophets and brought Israel an incredible victory. Everybody say, that's a bad dude. That's a bad dude right there. Now, I said all that because I want you to know Elijah is not a struggling preacher on the backside of his career. This guy is at the height of his calling. He is he has just given Israel one of the greatest victories they have ever. I mean, he he literally calls fire down from heaven. The story picks up in 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger. I want to just stop here and and say Jezebel talks. Jezebel sent a messenger. She wants to bend your ears. She wants to get your attention. So Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. What she's saying is like you killed the 850, I'm going to do the same to you. All right, that's what she says. This is so important that you see this. It says, and when he saw that, he didn't hear it. He saw her words literally created a picture in his mind of an outcome that he didn't want. 
She said, she didn't like, she's not running at him with a knife, y'all. She sent a messenger saying, I'm going to kill you. But her words, he didn't hear them. He saw them. And he ran. Look at what the Bible says. He ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left a servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So he's just, he's parted waters, raised dead people, said it's not going to rain, it didn't rain. He calls fire down from heaven one day, gives Israel a great victory, and the next day he wants to die. The, he, he goes from the mountaintop experience to suicidal in a day. This is what this spirit does. Something that I've never really seen before is that this spirit also wants to wait until you've been successful to bring you down. Don't want to really take you out before you've done anything. This spirit is waiting on Elijah to really make a name for himself and then throw him into depression and then throw him into suicidal thought. This spirit wants to wait until you've built the great family, built the great business, built the great church, and then while all that time and energy it took to build something in private, he wants to pull it all down in public to make a spectacle out of you. Everybody say Jezebel. It's a nasty spirit. Wants to bring you down after the fact. The Jezebel spirit attacks leadership. This spirit always comes against the business owner, the pastor, the, the leader of a home, the leader of a small group, the leader of a team, a leader of a shift at work. And, and it wants to humiliate you. See, what took years to accomplish in private, Jezebel wants to bring it down in public. And, and I want to say this, and I hope you can hear my heart in it. Some of the most productive, successful years in my life involving this church, like the growth and the expansion and all the people getting saved, all this blessing and everybody looks from the out and all oh, you must just, all oh, your life's just amazing. Some of these years have been the most miserable years of my life personally. Silent suffering. Battles nobody knows that you're going through. Facing things that you can't really talk about. Have you ever been successful but not happy? Almost like nothing tastes good anymore. Some of y'all, if you're being real honest, you'd say, yep, there have been days, Pastor, I just wanted to put gas in the car and drive as far as I could drive and say bye-bye to all of it, right? Now, don't be like my friend growing up who thought the, the earth was flat and he was just going to go off the end of it. It's round. You'll just keep driving. Silent battle, silent frustrations. He went from calling fire down from heaven to running into a wilderness, sitting under a tree, and he's wanting to die. Jezebel will make you want to run. Run away from your calling. Run away from your family. Run away from that thing that God has called you to do. And I hate what movies have done to our definition of evil spirits. We go to the movies and see some girl's head turn backward and spew something green and brah. And that's our definition. Hollywood's done a poor job showing us what Satan does. Is there demon possession? Absolutely. But that is the most min minuscule understanding of what, the de what devils do. That is the most brutal display. And I, I'll even go as far. That is not even the way Satan wants to work. Demon possession is not the way he wants to work. The Bible says that, that, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He wants to work through deception. A wolf in sheep's clothing. He wants you to think it's one thing, but it's really another thing. 
He, he wants to do things behind the scenes. He, he's highly organized. He's structured. Witches don't fight witches. Demons don't fight demons, yet church people fight church people. Demons don't judge other demons. Church people judge other church people. I'm going to help somebody out today. You're a full-time job all by yourself. You need to take your mouth off all the other people. You are a full-time job all by yourself. Quit judging people like you all that. You got enough to work on. Well, let's go home. Let's go home. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're going to stay right here. See, God commands a blessing where there is unity. And demon possession, again, is a minuscule understanding of what they do. Because demons don't want just you. They want everything connected to you. They, they don't want to just take you out. They want to take out everything connected to you. A great example of that is the man who was possessed, uh, the gathering, who was possessed. And Jesus comes into contact with this demon-possessed man. And, and if you look in Mark 5, 9 and 10, it says Jesus asked him, he, he's talking to the demon. He said, what is your name? He's not talking to the guy. He's talking to the demon, y'all, in the guy. And the demon says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus not to send them out of the area. Now, i, I got to help you understand what, what, what is going on here. In other words, the demon is saying, we don't mind if you cast us out of the man. Just don't cast us out of the area. We got some bigger activity going on in the territory, in the area. We don't mind leaving this one man as long as we can keep our web of deceit and what we've been doing in the area itself. We'll leave the man, but we don't want to leave the area. See, demons are not in hell, by the way. I know it preaches good when you say, tell the devil to go back to hell where he came from. But he's not in hell. Demons are not in hell. They are in the second heaven. God is in the third heaven. We live on the first heaven. Now, eventually, they will be there. The, the scripture bears that out. But right now, we are battling spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The warfare goes on in the second heaven. That is where the battle is. That, that is where the warfare takes place. And I have taught you for years that we have power over the enemy. How many? There is nothing that I can do to increase on what Jesus has already done. He has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. The victory is ours. But where we miss it sometimes is that we don't have this understanding. The only power the devil has over a believer is his ability to convince you to believe a lie. That's the only power. The power that the enemy has over you or me is connected to our level of ignorance. It's connected to what we don't know. See, God called you out of darkness. Darkness in Scripture is not like turning a light switch on. Darkness in Scripture always speaks of ignorance. God has called you out of the kingdom of ignorance, and he's brought you into his marvelous light. Light always speaks the truth. God has brought you out of ignorance into truth. But the devil can have power over us if we are operating in ignorance. Jesus is light, right? He is truth. His word, get this, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't think we would have near as much stumbling if we would open up our Bibles a little more. A lot of us are tripping around in the dark because of ignorance, because of what we don't know. we got to get back to the Word of God. So if your life today seems to be going in the wrong direction, you're fighting battles that... You didn't think you would be fighting. You, didn't, you don't know why it's going on. You don't know why things are falling apart. You need to know it's not because the devil has taken your life there. He doesn't have that kind of power over you. Your thought life has taken you there. Your thoughts have. Your thoughts take you in a direction. You can think yourself into poverty. Thank yourself 
into depression. Thank yourself. I've met people that ain't sick at all, but all they want to talk about is how sick they are. And eventually they sick. And you throw pity party after pity party and wonder why nobody's showing up. Nobody attends pity parties. Birthday party, I'm there. Graduation party, I'm there. Pity party, I'm not coming. Just not coming. Nobody comes to a pity party. You can send out invitations if you want to. It's a waste of time. And Jezebel plays on your thoughts. Your thoughts take you in the wrong direction. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The devil don't have to make you a loser if he can make you think you're a loser. Your thoughts will eventually cause you to arrive at that destination because what I think and what I believe becomes my reality. My life moves there. Why do you think the Bible says in Philippians 4.8, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, pure, lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Some of us could change our life in one day if we would shift our thinking. You know what the writer's saying here? Paul is telling us, quit talking about all the things that's going wrong and find one thing that you can give God praise for is what he's really saying. Find something that can shift your life and cause it to move in a new direction. I've seen this, this spirit, I mean, operate so many times. And demons, listen, they get into areas of our life because we cooperate with them. That's the only power they have. This is how strongholds are formed. And they grip us and become stronger from one generation to the next. Demons don't want just a person. Demons want territories. They want cities. They, they want nations. They, they want regions of the world. They want a house to come down. They want a church to come down. They, they're looking for territories. And I have seen this spirit move through an open door. A couple, let me give you a couple open doors for a Jezebel spirit. One open door for this spirit is offense. You get offended. You start thinking of the wrong thoughts. How many of Jezebel's going to play with that all day long? I've also seen this spirit operate through rejection. Somebody feels rejected. Maybe a family member rejected you. Somebody at work rejected you. A friend rejected you. And through that open door of rejection, we open up ourselves to this spirit. And I've seen this spirit do so many things in so many homes. Um, and, and, and when I say they want territories and regions, demons do, how many of that? There are certain places in the world you can travel where certain sins are more prevalent. There are certain cities where certain lifestyles are more prevalent than other places. Why? Because they have built what they're doing there. There's agreement there. There's cooperation there. There are certain cities, don't throw anything at me, that the homosexual lifestyle is rampant. Certain cities, let's, let's call one out, like Vegas, and I, I'm not here to talk about, you know, gambling or not gambling. I'm just going to say, like, I'm not going to depend on scratching something off to be blessed. I'm going to depend on God to bless me. Come on, if you're going to gamble, take yourself about two quarters. There you go. You don't gamble and win. They don't build them million-dollar buildings everywhere because you winning. You losing, baby. You losing. Vegas is winning. There, there are areas of the world where religious spirits are more dominant because there's agreement. And religious spirits are nasty spirits. Like they sit in church and say, I'm blessed and highly favored, but judge everything that breathes. I've had people come and say, I love this church because nobody judged me when I came. I, I've been to churches when I came. They asked me, why are you here? What? They're nasty. They don't even want you to succeed. Like if you make a mistake, they want you to pay for it. There are certain territories where that goes on. See, demons want to control something, and when they want to control something, they don't send it to a person. They send it to a house. Send it to a church, to a business. Want things to be passed down from one generation to the next. You have a grandfather who struggled with something, maybe drugs, alcohol, 
something that he never got free from. Then your daddy struggled with the same demon. Then now you're here and you're fighting your grandfather's devil. And now you're worried because you can't get free and your kids are going to struggle with the same thing. And, 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 and now everybody is fighting granddaddy's devil. And the problem with, with that is, is that we sit in church and we don't understand that every time something like that is passed from one generation to the next, men, hear me, it's not just about you, it's about your whole family. It's not just about you, it's about your children. Every time it's passed from one generation to the next, it increases in strength. And what is often private in one generation becomes public in the next. There was a time when everybody was in the closet. Now everybody's out of the closet. Because what is private in one generation is public in the next. It increases in strength. It gains momentum. That's why when we come to church, we can't afford to sit in a chair and, and say, well, give me my two songs that I like. Come on, pastor. Give me a couple points and give me a cute poem. My goodness, when we come to the house of God, we are doing warfare. I've got to lift up my voice. I need to lift my hands. I am, I'm doing battle because I know that, this, that the enemy would love to take not only me out, he would love to take my kids out, and I can't afford to worry about what I look like and how cute you are. I've got to get my praise on and get, let God invade my circumstances. I don't want cute church. I want somebody that knows how to praise until a breakthrough comes. Somebody that says, I, I don't care how loud it is. I got a family I'm fighting for. I got some things that I need to break off my life so my kids are not fighting my, de my demons. We, we, need, we need a tenacity. You got to have a boldness in the spirit, especially when it comes to Jezebel, because we're dealing with a real devil who wants to destroy everything connected to you. See, a spirit needs you to think like it thinks. That's what Jezebel wants you to do. just wants to get you thinking like it thinks. That's why spiritual warfare is in your head. The scriptures say that we have to pull down strongholds, attitudes, knowledge, Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, we have to pull those down. See, when you begin to justify harmful conduct, you begin to justify behaviors you know is wrong, you are now in agreement with a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. And, and what's wrong with a lot of lifestyles now is it's not just the lifestyles, it's the justification. I'm in agreement with it. This is not wrong. This is okay. See, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that you have to think like the Holy Spirit in order for the Holy Spirit to work through you. And I'm going to say something going to be a little bit controversial right here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Y'all know me by now. Just because you're full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're going to have any progress. I, I need to be full of the Holy Spirit, but I also need to have the mind of the Spirit. I know people who are full of the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues, but their mind is carnal. And the carnal mind fights against God. So, li listen, demons don't fight God. They've already lost. They, like, like, they're not up there trying to throw punches at God. Your thoughts fight against God. Demons play on your thought life. Come on, somebody say mind management. We need mind management. So the scripture says the, the carnal mind is at war with God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let, let us have the mind of the Spirit. So I have to think like the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to use me. But on the other hand, I have to think like Jezebel for Jezebel to use me. This is why today I'm only focused on exposing this spirit because I can't just get up here and say, in the name of Jesus, we break Jezebel and this is over. Because Jezebel is not a person, it's a spirit. And Jezebel is not a she or makeup or hair or jewelry. Jezebel is a spirit. Come on, somebody. And, and it's not just one person saying, in the name of Jesus, get out. It's all of us understanding the way she thinks, how she wants to move, 
and making sure that our thoughts are not in alignment with Jezebel, but our thoughts are in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will make us aware. Anybody can be used by Jezebel. So stop calling people Jezebels. Oh, Jezebel, there she is. That one with the blue dress on. No. If you have ever used manipulation to get your will accomplished, Jezebel has used you. She uses manipulation to undermine, to underhandedly get her agenda accomplished. And this spirit is waiting on us to get offended, to feel rejected, any kind of open door so that we, can, we, we begin thinking in a certain direction. I can't tell you how many preachers I have met who have built in amazing ministries, have incredible churches, and, and nobody knows it, but I've met them, and behind the scenes they are lonely and depressed and want to leave it all. What is that? It's Jezebel. Jezebel wants to bring us down, and Jezebel wants to lead us and push us into isolation. In, in other words, I just want to get away from everybody. I, I don't need church. I, I don't need all those relationships. I don't need small groups. I, I don't need any of that. I, Jezebel wants you to be isolated. What did Elijah do? He left his servant, and he kept running. He ignored the relationship he needed. A lot of us, we don't understand, but some of the relationships that are, there's, there's tension in them, it's because Jezebel attacks the relationships you need, the friendships you need. Why do you think a marriage is so under attack? Because marriage is pretty important. Y'all think marriage is important? Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them it's important. It's important. Push you into isolation. I used to think that if you dealt with the person being manipulated by this spirit, that it would resolve. But I, learned, I, I figured out that just dealing with the person who's being manipulated doesn't solve it. Jezebel may leave the person, but still be in the area. That's why I said it's not enough for me to deal with Jezebel. We all have to make sure we're not thinking like Jezebel in our homes, in our places of work, Families, we, gotta, we all have to have the mind of Christ. After Elijah's great victory on Mount Carmel, Jezebel was still in place. And the man of God, listen to this, called fire down. A day later, I want to die. Doesn't even make sense. Bell worship that they were instituting also involved extreme sexual perversion. Why do you think our nation is dominated with sexual perversion? Jezebel's loose. Sex, our kids at age 12 know about stuff that I didn't know about till I was 30. Come on, don't act like you knew all that either. If you did, we're praying for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Jezebel, ladies, be patient with me. Jezebel hates men, specifically men in authority. Because the main goal of Jezebel is to undermine authority altogether. And there's a lot of men in leadership, a lot of men in authority. So Jezebel involves man bashing. How do you know that, Pastor? She had every male worker in her house castrated and turned into eunuchs. She took away their masculinity. She took the manhood of every man away. Not only did she do that, there's a place in Scripture that she wanted somebody's vineyard, Naboth's vineyard. It didn't belong to her, but she wanted it, and she was willing to manipulate to get it. What's a vineyard? A vineyard's nothing more than dirt. You know, you know what that's significant for? The reason that's significant is because Jezebel always looks for dirt. Always wants to find what's wrong. Point out and criticize everyone around. 
I want to say it like this. Disrespect on any level is cooperating with the Jezebel spirit. This spirit flows through disrespect because it wants to undermine all God-ordained authority. How many Jezebel wants to get your children into rebellion? At an early age. Why? Because rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. What, if, what is witchcraft? We, we make things weird that's not weird. Witchcraft is there's a set order. I don't like it. I'll create my own order. That's witchcraft. The sin of rebellion. If you lead a home, a business, a ministry, a shift at work, you need to know you have been targeted by this spirit. It wants to take out leaders. And today, I just wanted to pull back some covers to let you know that the reason you may be fighting and suffering in silence and battling and nobody knows it is because Jezebel has been trying to wreak havoc on you and your entire world. This spirit, again, will manipulate anyone, a person who does not have authority but is trying to get something accomplished without the position, without the authority. That's Jezebel. I'm going to take it a step further. A two-year-old at Walmart. You're shopping, and the two-year-old says, I want the toy. And you say, not today. Maybe next time. The two-year-old then throws themselves into the floor and throws one of the tantrums that embarrasses all of us parents. And you say, okay, baby, I'll just go get one. Jezebel is at work. I'm not saying the child's a Jezebel. I'm saying, what did you just teach that child? How to manipulate. Anytime I want something I really want, I'll throw a fit. And I see adults throwing their fits. Come on, y'all, and it ain't cute when you're 40. <laughs> y'all leaving me up here by myself today. I'm trying to help somebody. It's not cute. Worship team, y'all get out of here. I got to get out of here. Many of you have been putting on the church face, acting like everything's okay. But the truth is, it's not okay. Silent battles, silent frustrations, depression. Some of you, you, you probably never would say it out loud, but it's suicidal thoughts. It's thoughts of loneliness, thoughts of rejection, Fatigue. Some of y'all are worn out. You're burned out. It's not because you got a year older. It's because Jezebel has attacked you. I have fought this spirit so many years. And I, my personal experience, I was 20, I guess, 20, 20 years ago. Man, I'm getting old. But some, I'm some of you like, nah, I'm going to punch him. He thinks he's old at 40. But 20 years ago, I saw what this spirit could do to a church. I saw what it could do to families. And I almost quit the ministry before I even got started because I saw how nasty it could be. I saw what kind of devastation it could bring against not only a family but an entire church. And I wanted to quit then, and I'll be honest with you, there have been times I've thought about, I just, you know, maybe I should quit this whole pastoring, that maybe I wouldn't have to battle so much. If I could just go get a job and I can help the church, I don't have to be the focus of the battles and all that. Am I making sense to anybody? Like there's just internal. I didn't quit 20 years ago and definitely not quitting now. And, and, and I bring that up because some of you, you're still here. You're still here. He could have taken you out, but he didn't. You still came in here and you praise God today. And so I think we need to be reminded that we have more going for us than we have against us. And that God is on our side. 
I want you to hit your neighbor and just tell your neighbor real quick. This, this sermon ended completely different than 8, 8.30. I was ready to kick a table and I was yelling and screaming. But apparently God wanted this said differently. I have sensed that there's this, the same anointing, but it's a different anointing this time. Next week, I want, I want to give you some tools. But for a lot of people in this room today, I've been preaching all over you. You've been depressed. You've been lonely. You've got internal battles. You've not been able to tell anybody. You've, you've been suffering in silence. And we've pulled back the cover on this spirit. And, and I believe that there is healing in the how. We'll give you the tools next week. I believe there's healing for the symptoms today. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is not only just shining light on what's going on, but he's going to begin that healing process in your life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to do something totally different. We don't normally do this, but I, I, I need you to work with me, all right? I'm going out on a limb here today. If, if, if this spirit, you recognize it's hit my family, it's hit my business, it's hit my mind, I've been fighting this thing. I, I, know, I know what it is now. I know why I feel like I feel. I've been battling this spirit. If that's you, all right, and I believe there's going to be a lot of people for this, I want you to come now as close as you can. Come on, as close as you can. Close as you can. I know we can't feel the altars, but I want you to at least take a step to say, yep, that's me. That's me today, today, today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive healing Here's what the Holy Spirit gave me. Y'all going to love this. Check this out. In 1 Kings 18, when Elijah called the fire down on the, on the altar, I was reading that and just kind of going back through it. This is like 825. We got service in five minutes. And, and I'm reading this, and at that moment, at that moment, the Holy Spirit, and I can, I can tell you that he gave it to me fresh because it's not on the iPad. I had to write it down on my way out here. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, if you will prepare the altar, I'll answer by fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit is getting ready to touch some homes right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, give God a shout of praise. The fire of the Holy Spirit is getting ready. Somebody's joy is getting ready to come back. Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. You're getting ready to laugh again, baby. Come on. You're going to have some joy and some strength again. Today, we pull the covers back. We say, Holy Spirit, we're an altar. My heart is an altar. Pour out your fire on my life today. Come on, church. Give him a shout of praise. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.